It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Touchdown, Los Angeles. You are Locked On Rams, your daily Los Angeles Rams podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, Rams Nation, what's happening, what's good? It's your boy Bear Motter of Rams Podcast, but this is Lockdown Rams. Thursday edition of Lockdown Rams, and we pick up where we left off, the ultimate crossover. We've got four hosts from four different shows here on the Lockdown Podcast Network. The NFC West, we got together, had a great conversation. If you guys missed it, we did the 49ers on Monday, the Seahawks on Tuesday, our Rams were on Wednesday yesterday, and today we are diving in to Bo Brock and the Arizona Cardinals to take a look at where they were at in 2019 and where they are going in 2020. We pitched some great questions near the end, talking about what's next for the Arizona Cardinals, how much does Larry Fitz have left in him, as well as how far out are the Cardinals as far as making run at the division. So great episode today. Also next week, we are getting back into kind of more of our regular schedule. We've got some awesome episodes. We've got some guests that have never been on the show. We've got some of our regular guests, as well as we are going to break down the press conference that was on Wednesday, introducing the Rams new three coordinators. We're going to talk about that. They've hired five new staff members. We're going to talk all about that next week, kind of break in to that 30 minute press conference and listen into some of the things that Sean McVay said. So a lot of good things things that came out of that and we'll be talking about that next week but for now it is the ultimate crossover series I'm gonna pitch it over Bo Brock's gonna take us home from Lockdown Cardinals and get this thing rocking we will be back tomorrow with the finishing episode of this week's ultimate crossover the who do you love the Valentine's Day edition as we talk about who do you love on the team on the schedule so much more so stay tuned for that as well so without further ado here is Bo Brock with Lockdown Cardinals getting us off and running towards the end of the week but we have two more ultimate crossover series episodes coming to you right now i'm bo brock locked on cardinals part of your locked on podcast network your team every day joined by brian peacock locked on niners the nfc champion niners i need to say i need to get the title correct corbin get smith right. of course of locked on seahawks and brad bear modder locked on rams gentlemen thank you for joining me for this cardinal centric edition or portion of the week Cardinals 5-10-1 in the 2019 campaign, but this was not a season that was going to be judged on wins, losses. Certainly, they did not reach enough wins to compete for a playoff spot. That was pretty evident early on. This was going to be based on, do they have the right contingent of Cliff Kingsbury at head coach and Kyle or Kyler Murray at quarterback to move forward with because the previous season after moving off of Bruce Arians who retired for a year before coming back to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, the Cardinals had Steve Wilkes, Mike McCoy as an offensive coordinator and one year of Josh Rosen, who they traded up for 10th overall in the NFL draft. They make the solid decision to move off of all parties involved. They, they go with Kyler Murray, Cliff Kingsbury showed that he had the play calling ability to, to really belong at the NFL level. As far as the rest of the team went outside of Kyler and Cliff, there's a ton of question marks that we need to answer, especially in the 2020 offseason, before we get to that, before we really 
deep dive what the Cardinals can do with the eighth overall pick and ample cap space. Let's look at the season that was. The Cardinals, they beat one team that was over 500. Unfortunately, Corbin, that was late in the season and a crucial loss for the Seahawks, but a signature win for this Cardinals organization in Kingsbury and Murray. It almost happened in Santa Clara a couple weeks previous when Kyler Murray scampered to the end zone 20 yards for a go-ahead touchdown only to see Jeff Wilson Jr., who score a go-ahead touchdown and propel the Niners past the Cardinals. But what are your guys' biggest takeaways? I guess I'll start with the team that the Cardinals beat and the Seahawks. I mean, you saw, I guess, the future potentially for the Cardinals in the NFC West, Corbin. It's crazy to say this because we've talked all week about the talent in this division. Well, the Rams could bounce back. The Seahawks, if they add a few pieces, could be a Super Bowl contender. The 49ers are going to be bringing back a lot of their roster. They just made the Super Bowl. But the Arizona Cardinals, to me, could be one of the biggest sleepers going into 2020. Obviously, they need to hit on their draft picks, several of their draft picks, to continue to add talent, maybe add a few pieces in free agency. I think they are positioned now that you can start adding some established veterans to this team, and it's going to make them a potential contender for a playoff spot. And really the thing that impressed me about this Cardinals team, I will admit I was not big on the hire of Cliff Kingsbury considering what he did at Texas Tech. Yes, he developed some great quarterbacks. We've seen what Patrick Mahomes has done in Kansas City, but he was not a coach that won a ton of games at Texas Tech, ended up getting fired. And my thought process is if he can't win at Texas Tech, how is he going to win in the NFL? But what I was really impressed about is early in the year, they were running a lot of four or five wide receiver stuff. The off the offense was really struggling and he made some major adjustments. They got the running game going. He committed to using more tight ends in his personnel, uh, using two backs in the backfield. They traded for Kenyon Drake. And in that upset win over the Seahawks at CenturyLink Field, the ability to run the football ended up being a huge difference maker. Drake had an 81-yard touchdown early in the game, and the Seahawks had a lot of trouble stopping that ground attack, and that makes Kyler Murray that much more effective. It helped their passing game out, and so I got to give kudos to Kingsbury for being willing to make those adjustments. We see some of these coaches come in. I'll use Chip Kelly, for example. Chip Kelly, the reason he ended up washing out of the league twice is he didn't make adjustments to what he was doing that was not working as an offensive mind. Cliff Kingsbury was willing to do that, and the results showed by them being much more competitive in the second half of the season. Yeah, it's really some great points there. Cliff Kingsbury took a Cardinals offense that had a putrid 14 points per game average in 2018. They were basically playing Tecmo football uh, when the rest of the league was playing Madden 20. It was it's it was so far behind, and Cliff Kingsbury in a year's time, along with Kyler Murray, was able to uh, help and supplement that by – you know, going up by over a touchdown per game, uh, scoring nearly 23 points per game. That rushing attack that you mentioned with Kyler Murray over 500 yards on the ground himself, and then Kenyon Drake coming over for a late round pick from Miami. They went from the seller, the bottom of the NFL, to a top 10 rushing team, and I think that that's going to be uh, important that they continue to have that. Uh, part of the offense going forward. Let me get to a team that the Cardinals played twice. Shockingly, the NFC champion, San Francisco 49ers. And uh, Brian, I mean, you saw two tough, tough contests from the Cardinals. What were your biggest takeaways from this team in 2019? Yeah, those were both close games. And that's really what impressed me most about the Cardinals because there were no expectations for the Cardinals coming in, changing uh, quarterbacks and 
coaches yet again. And by the way, what kind of incriminating photos does does Steve Kime have of Michael Bidwell? Because <laughs> you know, I, I mean, I do think that they got a good one in Kyler Murray, and it, it's hard to believe to me that Kime was allowed to to draft another quarterback after taking a top 10 quarterback the year before two sure. straight draft draft a first round quarterback and meeting that mistake and then needing to, to hire a new coach as well just being allowed to do it is kind of surprising but I think he hit on both Kyler Murray is legit and I was impressed by Cliff Kingsbury in his first year as a head coach yeah I mean Kingsbury Murray they both answered that question it was the biggest question of the season can can they handle I mean Murray is not your traditional quarterback I mean under six feet tall you know he's the guy that was drafted in the first round and by in Major League Baseball by the Oakland A's sure he wins the Heisman but you didn't know if that skill set was going to translate to the NFL and it, and it certainly did biggest knock on him was the inconsistencies you didn't see it week in and week out but he's still your NFL offensive player of the year and uh, I, I think that the Cardinals you're right Steve Kime was able to kind of Finally hit on a first-round pick. This is a, a general manager since taking over the reins in 2013 has never selected a Pro Bowl player in the first round. I mean, it, he's just had a bunch of swings and misses, and it's a great point, and I want to get into it, especially with Bear Motter later in this episode, about what – I mean, Les Snead was, was an embattled general manager for the longest time in Los Angeles – but he seemed to stick with it. He might have had incriminating photos as well, and he seemed to right the ship. And it took Sean McVay and Jared Goff to kind of hit in his potential. But before we get to that, Bear, what were your biggest takeaways? It seemed like regardless of Kyler Murray emerging and showing that he could has all this potential, the Rams continue to dominate the Arizona Cardinals. Yeah, McVay's 6-0 and versus the Cardinals in his career and winning all those games by 15 points or more. And that was the crazy thing is I saw them match up against the 49ers and the Seahawks. You just kind of kept thinking it was our turn. It was coming. It was going to be a close game. And for some reason, the Rams have their number both home and away. And and that's the scary thing about this is you look kind of moving forward, too, is they're getting younger. They're getting better. You talked about how they increased as far as scoring. And you can only imagine another season, offseason together, that they are going to get better. When is the time that the Rams uh, crack in this, you know, head-to-head matchup? And, you know, exactly like Corbin said, they're one of those teams in this division that you almost look at and they're in last place. But as one of the scariest because you just don't know the potential on how far they could jump from you know last season to this coming season. So uh, hopefully for the Rams that they can continue to work off of what has worked in the past, but with Cliff Kingsbury and, and probably adjusting and, and finding different ways to attack Sean McVay, we, we've seen many people be able to slow down that offense at times. So uh, it's going to be some fun matchups in 2020, and I just can hope that we can keep that going. Whatever streak they're doing, keep it up, but this team is getting better and better. Yeah, that ugly streak that the Niners had going against the Cardinals ended this year. Uh, eight straight wins the Cardinals had going into 2019 before the Niners were able to stop that one, stop the bleeding on that. Coming up next, I think the Cardinals are following the blueprint of the Seahawks and the Rams. The luxury of having that rookie quarterback contract, how they can continue to follow at, plus the biggest question for the Arizona Cardinals that needs to be answered in the 2020 offseason. We'll start to kind of approach that. It's all during the ultimate crossover series. Bo Brock, Brad Bear Motter, Brian Peacock, and Corbin Smith will be back here. Locked on Cardinals, part of your Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. The suns rise in Orlando, but their playoff hopes set in the West. From our local experts to your ears, these are the biggest stories on the Locked On Podcast Network. 
Despite finishing a perfect 8-0 in the NBA bubble, the Phoenix Suns are leaving without a playoff berth. Check out Locked On Suns today for a postmortem on an amazing run by Devin Booker and company. That's all thanks to tiebreakers and a Karis LeVert jumper that rimmed out, giving the Portland Trailblazers a win and a meeting with the Memphis Grizzlies in a play-in series for the Western Conference 8th seed. That begins on Saturday. Beginning today, all of the Locked On NBA playoff teams will be previewing the playoffs with special crossover shows. Scout your team and your opponent on the Locked On Podcast Network. Local experts on the biggest stories, it's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Despite the Arizona Cardinals finding out that Kyler Murray is a quarterback that they can move forward with, they still have a ton of questions all up and down this roster this offseason. Is Steve Keim going to be the general manager to answer those questions? That remains to be seen. In the 2019 season, their defense was atrocious. They just they couldn't stop a nosebleed at many times, especially the tight end position. In 16 games, opposing tight ends had 96 receptions for over 1,100 yards and 16 touchdowns. Opposing quarterbacks, you guys all know this, Jimmy G threw for eight touchdowns himself in two games against the Cardinals. 38 touchdowns to just seven interceptions from opposing quarterbacks against the Cardinals defense. A lot to rework and retool on this once proud Arizona Cardinals defense years ago. No longer the case. I, I just I got to ask you guys, what, what did you see as far as the Cardinals' biggest need? Because when I look at all these mock drafts, they have the Cardinals at eighth overall selecting a wide receiver, which I think is a luxury position this day and age in the NFL. What do you see as their biggest yeah. need this offseason? I'll start with you, Brian. Yeah, I've seen a ton of wide receiver to the Cardinals, and I'm thinking Larry's coming back. They uh, Christian Kirk I love. They, they drafted, what, three wide receivers last year? Keem Butler. <laughs> Yeah, that's the last position. Yeah, you get Hakeem Butler coming back from his injury. I loved him coming out last year. So you have all different shapes and sizes. You have your whole basketball team there ready to go and, and come back. You're starting five next year. That's totally a luxury. And this is a really good wide receiver class. So if there is a reason to draft one, it's because he's the best player available when the Cardinals, Cardinals are on the clock. But I, I think it's the offensive line and it's the defensive side of the ball. I mean, that's absolutely where I would go if I was the Cardinals. And you've got to build things up front for Kyler Murray, get that running game going and protect your quarterback, give him time to find the wide receivers he does have. And on the defensive side of the ball, Chandler Jones, probably the most underrated player in the NFL, one of the best defensive ends. He doesn't get the credit for how Great he still is as a pass rusher. I really love Buda Baker, but uh, they had some holdover players that are maybe a- aging out, and I just think they need more talent on the defensive side of the ball. I'm going to stick here with you real quick because when we look at the Cardinals at 5-10-1, I mean, last year it was the Niners at you know, 4-12, and 12, and they go from you know kind of worst to first. Only the Cardinals were worse than them in the division. What was the biggest key to you? What, and what, how would you say what, what the Cardinals would need to do to follow the Niners' resurgence? I think continuity is key. So it was year three in both the offensive and defensive schemes, which was huge. And obviously they lost their quarterback. So I think the 49ers in a certain, at a certain point got lucky because they lost Jimmy Garoppolo to his ACL injury in week three of 2018. And I think they were a better team than four and 12 maybe. 
And so they were able to draft number two overall. They were able to get the defensive rookie of the year in Nick Bosa. And I think on the defensive side of the ball, it was that Bosa selection. It was the pass rush, adding D Ford, adding Bosa. They got a full year out of Eric Armstead, who's always been talented, but has been hurt so much during his NFL career after being drafted in the first round. So they had all those first rounders up front and it really took some pressure off the back end because they had the best defensive line in football. And I think Robert Sala, the defensive coordinator, uh, did some key things. And that is that he changed up the strict cover three that they had been running very vanilla scheme. He wants his players to play free and play fast. So he wants things somewhat simple, but they changed it up a little bit more. They played more man concepts. They played more, split safety concepts, just change things up enough so teams couldn't just sit there all day, and it still bit him in the playoffs, that cover three beater to Tyreek Hill in, in the Super Bowl. Finally got him, but they just didn't play that strict cover three all the time so teams could just line up and knew how to attack him and how to beat him. So pass rush was probably the number one thing. I think continuity, getting Jimmy Garoppolo back, was huge on the offensive side of the ball. And then uh, the, the the changes they made on defense schematically to make things a little bit more difficult for for teams to focus and, and key on in a game plan situation, knowing exactly what to do against that 49ers team. So it's multiple things, but you, you really can't win unless you have the bullets. If you don't have your quarterback set, if you don't have your coach, and you don't have a defense that can give you the ball back and an offensive line to protect everything up front, I think you're really at a disadvantage. So that's why I said it's defense, it's offensive line for the Cardinals. Brian Peacock there, of course, locked on Niners, locked on NFL. Switch over to Bear Motter here. Les Snead was a guy, it seemed like he was a lame duck general manager. He makes the hire of Sean McVay. You got a second year uh, quarterback in Jared Goff who takes a huge jump. What was the biggest thing outside of the obvious for Snead to kind of turn things around and how could Steve Kime maybe pull from that in your opinion? Yeah, Les Snead, we thought were was hand-in-hand hand with Jeff Fisher. If Fisher was gone, Snead was gone, and, uh, you know, he kind of pulled the rug out of, you know, Jeff Fisher and kind of said, I'm sticking around, you're going first. That's going to be my big move is making that uh, decision, not waiting for the offseason. Then he went out and hired Sean McVay, which I think probably saved his job, but they went and made that big, splashy move, moving out to Los Angeles, trading up to get the number one pick and going for Jared Goff, but he's been aggressive. And I think that's one thing is he's went out and got players that have come in and contributed, even going back to Marcus Peters and uh, Aqib Tlaib in that Super Bowl run season that he has been shown the willingness to make kind of that risky move and think about how it's going to work out later. And many will look at that and go, well, that's why we're sitting in this position now. Uh, so I think really what he's done is not be afraid to make those decisions. And as you know, Brian talks about, you know, picking quarterbacks in the first round in those top 10 picks back to back years, that kind of shows you that he's willing to go and, and make those moves. So I think that's important is just kind of stick with your guts in this division. Uh, you're going to have to take some risks on players and coaches and think outside the box because this division is so good uh, that everyone is fighting for that position. So uh, being aggressive, although can be bad and, and exposed, you at times, but I also think that uh, as a fan base and, and people that are following the team, they want to see that aggressiveness and that you're not going to sit back and just, you know, be vanilla about it and just kind of say, well, that's, you know, very slow process. You don't have time in the NFC West for a slow process as teams are turning around and, and competing. So, uh, you know, it, it's crazy because like you mentioned leading into this, I thought Les Snead was on his way out and now all of a sudden he's kind of being looked at as this uh, wheeler and dealer and we'll see how much longer it lasts if the Rams can you know, keep getting better. But um, that's kind of how I look at it in the comparisons of, you know, being aggressive with it. Sure. Yeah. I mean, Steve Kime is notorious or infamous for drafting guys, especially high draft picks that require a red shirt season. 
and you don't have time for that. You have to, the success has to happen now, especially with a quarterback like Kyler Murray. You get the five years, you get the four year contract, and then the fifth year option. And he's got a similar skill set, Corbin Smith of Locked On Seahawks, as Russell Wilson. What's the most important thing, in your opinion, for the Cardinals to build around Kyler Murray to kind of follow that Seahawks blueprint from a couple years ago that they they had all that success? They had back-to-back Super Bowl appearances. What can they do to surround Kyler Murray to maybe jumpstart this thing? So if you're going to compare it to the Seahawks, you you better get that defense playing better. So uh, I've seen a lot of mock drafts like you guys were talking earlier going receiver. And while I, I could see that being a position, they draft somebody because this is a really deep receiver class. That's the argument not to pick that player at eighth overall. Sure. You can get a really good receiver in this draft in the second, third, fourth round. It's a very deep class, maybe the deepest class since I've been covering the draft in the last 10 years at the receiver position. So I think you either got to get an offensive lineman at pick eight, or you need to add defense. I could actually see adding another pass rusher being a big thing for the Arizona Cardinals this year because you know Chandler Jones is going to rack up the sacks, but there's a huge drop-off after that. And it would really help that secondary that's got some younger players back there like Byron Murphy if you could bring in another really good pass rusher early in this draft, maybe they could go after somebody. Like I've done a lot of talking about this player going to the Seahawks. I don't see any way he's going at 27. He's going to be gone long before then. But a player like Yitor Gross Matos out of Penn State would make a ton of sense for the Arizona Cardinals. I could also see them go to corner. Patrick Peterson's not getting any younger. Find somebody that's going to team up with Byron Murphy in the future. But Whatever it is, they need to add pieces on the defensive side of the football, and Steve Kime needs to hit on those picks for the Cardinals to move up in this division. Yeah, as Brian pointed out, three wide receivers that they drafted in 2019, all three of them, I mean, Butler was injured, but neither one of those three had over 200 yards receiving. And then you had a second-round pick the previous year with Christian Kirk. He showed strides this year, but not the consistency you want. you got to develop those wide receivers. You can't just punt on that and just to maybe – bring in the luxury of a player like CeeDee Lamb, who in my opinion is maybe not even the most talented receiver in this draft class, Jerry Judy. I think that's who the consensus top wideout is right now. Can't wait to get into the mock draft discussion. We've got a whole offseason to do so. But with the prospect of three quarterbacks going off the board before the Cardinals pick, there's going to be an impact defender there. And that's your weakest part of of your roster I think the Cardinals got to go defense here. It's locked on Cardinals, locked on Niners, Seahawks, and Rams here. It's the ultimate crossover series. We're going to continue on. I'm going to take the firing squad next segment. We're going to get into it. I'm going to answer and try to answer all the questions I can about the Cardinals from their division rivals. We'll continue that next. It's the locked on crossover series. This is Vinny Iyer, host of Locked On Fantasy Football with your Locked On Fantasy Football Edge of the Day. Tight end is a prime position for finding fantasy football sleeper value in 2020. After George Kittle and Travis Kelsey go off the board early, don't worry. You can wait and still get some great return for a starter at the position. The two prime targets both have HH for initials, the Chargers Hunter Henry and the Falcons Hayden Hurst. A healthy Henry can have a monster downfield receiving season for new QB Tyrod Taylor and carries high TD upside. 
As for Hurst, he's stepping right into the productive spot vacated by Austin Hooper in Atlanta as key support to Matt Ryan, Julio Jones, and Calvin Ridley. Trust in Henry a little earlier and Hurst a little later to give you some pleasing tight end one results. Get the edge in your fantasy football league every day by listening to Locked On Fantasy Football on your preferred podcast provider. Looking to forward to tomorrow's episode. Who do you love? A very special Valentine's edition of the Locked On uh, Podcast Network here, especially on the Ultimate Crossover Series. Bo Brock, Locked On Cardinals, joined by Brian Peacock, Locked On Niners, Brad Bear Motter, Locked On Rams, and, uh, of course, Corbin Smith, Locked On Seahawks. So now I'll open up to you guys, baby. Bear, you got anything for me? What, what do you want to hear about the Arizona Cardinals? Yeah, and we talked about it a little bit earlier, but I knew we'd go a little bit deeper here about that running back situation and, and what you guys plan on doing uh, got a couple guys there, a couple free agents. Obviously, uh, we know David Johnson is there collecting a lot of money. Uh, is there a direction that you think that this team needs to go on the ground? Because we all know, especially with a young quarterback, a ground game is you know something very important to this. But we did see uh, that late insurgence there in the in the rush game for you guys. So the direction you're looking to go on the ground, and is it with David Johnson? And it's so important. Corbin can even speak to this. I mean, that was the game changer as far as the Cardinals Seahawks, where they went up to the link and won was the 80 yard rush that Kenyon Drake made in the first quarter to kind of even things out. And that just kind of changed the tone. And when the Cardinals got that offensive balance, I mean, it just gave Kyler Murray and Cliff Kingsbury another gear and were able to really get comfortable and get things done, unlike in some of their tougher offensive performances the rest of the season. We all know how important offensive balance is. David Johnson didn't offer it, and this is a guy who had over 300 yards rushing this season. He still caught the football quite well, 370 yards receiving, but he hasn't rushed. He's only rushed once in the last three seasons for over 100 yards in a game. He's just not getting it done. You can see it. Even somebody who's uh, you know, not a super scout like Matt Williamson, like uh, Brian works with every day, uh, you can see he's he's lacking that burst, and Kenyon Drake provided that burst. But here's the reality: David Johnson's going to be owed 10.2 million dollars guaranteed three days into the new league year, and he's going to have a 16 million dollar dead money hit on the salary cap. So you can't just outright release him. And I don't think that the Arizona Cardinals are going to have any takers as far as a, a trade or any trade market for DJ. It's just one of those things where they're going to have to absorb it, find a role for him potentially in this offense. He still has the ability to catch the football. I think David Johnson, I'm not saying anything crazy like him going full-time wide receiver, but putting him out in that five wide looks that uh, you know the K-Raid offense presents a lot during an NFL game. David Johnson could certainly make some plays in the pass game. And then Kenyon Drake is a, he's an unrestricted free agent this offseason can you afford to pay him plus absorb the money from David Johnson at the same time? That's a lot of money to put towards the running back position. I think in this, in a business sense, it probably makes sense to maybe take a late flyer on a, a young prospect in the draft or uh, find a, a cheaper option in free agency. But it certainly does bode well for the Cardinals when they get that running game going. It's just, it's so, it's so important for Cliff Kingsbury's offense uh, and the success of this team. We'll go to Brian Peacock here, Locked On Niners. Any questions as far as the, the Cardinals are concerned? As, as we mentioned earlier in this podcast, this was a team that played the Niners tight twice this season. 
came short both times, but I don't know. What, what are you thinking as far as the Cardinals offseason? Do you have any big-time questions that you think they need to answer? Well, I do have one question. I want to go to the Twitterverse, and Tony wants to know who's the most underrated player on the Cardinals last year or going into this year. And a second question, maybe it's the same guy. Who should the rest of the NFC West be afraid of on that Cardinals roster? And those are those are some good questions from Tony on Twitter. As far as the most underrated player for the Arizona Cardinals, and it's tough. I mean, Corbin mentioned how much of a monster Chandler Jones is getting after the quarterback, 19 sacks, and then you've got Buda Baker, who is just a tackle machine, Pro Bowl appearance for Buda Baker, and then Kyler Murray emerged as the the right selection with the top pick in the 2019 draft. I don't think you can get away from Kyler. And then there's old steady Larry Legend. Larry Fitzgerald continues to do it at a high level despite him being a little long in the tooth. He's already decided he's coming back for his 17th season, led the Cardinals in receiving. But And then you look across the offensive line, probably can't go there. Um, you know, if I'm looking for kind of your underrated Cardinal, Man, that that is a tough tough. I, maybe Jordan Hicks. Jordan Hicks was a guy that Steve Kime actually hit on mm-hmm. in free agency in the 2019 offseason. He didn't have a lot of success except for Jordan Hicks. He made the decision to sign him out of Philly. He comes over and he made an immediate impact. And I think if you can couple him with another playmaking linebacker, you might be cooking with some gas there and really turning things around on defense. I really like what Jordan Hicks offered. He uh, had three interceptions as well as all the tackles that he made. I really like what Jordan Hicks offers from a leadership standpoint and on the field. Of course, he's just a tackling machine. You mentioned Kyler Murray. I kind of want to throw this out there, whether fair or not. We've seen what young quarterbacks have done jumping from year one to year two recently. Lamar Jackson, the incredible strides that he made in his second season for the Ravens. Patrick Mahomes was ridiculous as a rookie, and he found a way to get even better. Now wins a Super Bowl uh, with the Kansas City Chiefs. So expectations are going to be through the roof for Kyler Murray going into 2020 to make a similar leap maybe not be quite as big of a leap as what Lamar Jackson made that was ridiculous how much he improved from year one to year two but there's going to be really high expectations and if this team has a good draft they add some pieces in free agency you can say that about the entire team that the expectations are going to be really high in Arizona how can Kyler Murray and the Cardinals handle those expectations it's much different than this past season where like you said it wasn't about wins and losses going into year two now it is about wins and losses you better start winning some football games in the nfc west where people are going to have to answer for that yeah no doubt about it and that answers brian's second question from tony is who's the most dangerous guy from the cardinals against the rest of the nfc west opponents that you have to just game plan Week in and week out, Kyler Murray, and it's tough. I mean, he can do it with his arm. He can do it with his legs. Yeah, is it unrealistic to think he's going to make the Lamar Jackson leap in his second season? Sure, but can he do something similar? Can Is he the type of player that's a game changer? Absolutely. You know, 3,700 yards passing, 544 yards rushing. He just And it seemed like he was kind of uh, not even going – full speed this season just because it was his rookie year and then he's limited to who his offensive line was he was sacked 48 times and he didn't have a lot of playmakers his best receiver was a 36 year old uh wide receiver in larry fitzgerald christian kirk dealt dealt with an ankle injury and then lack of a run game before Kenyon drake come over came over so i'm really excited about next season how kyler murray makes that leap that's up to steve kime and cliff kingsbury and surrounding him with the talent whether it's on the offensive side of the football with playmakers 
Uh, and, and I'm hoping it's beyond this, the first round, whether it's through free agency or you know second through seventh round, that they look at some offensive weapons, whether it's a running back, whether it's a – I like what the Ravens did with the tight end position. The Cardinals need to upgrade at that position. Uh, of course, you're not going to get the three-headed monster that Baltimore had, but if you can start to develop and see some uh, improvement there, I think that that's going to give a safety valve to Kyler Murray going forward. I, I, I really would like to see them do that. Uh, but man, and then on the defensive side of the football, you know, Kyler Murray, it's the, the Cardinals defense gave up points, I think 43% of the time on drive. So nearly half the time, Kyler Murray's coming out in the football field after the opposing team just scored. And most of the time he's chasing a lead and that's just not, it's not a good recipe for success for any quarterback. So they need to really upgrade on the defensive side of the football. There are some pieces in place. I mentioned Jordan Hicks, Chandler Jones. We know about him. Patrick Peterson, he's under contract. Another season for the Cardinals. He showed after kind of knocking the rust off that he can still play at a high level. And Buda Baker, Buda Baker made the Pro Bowl. They need to some, see some development from Byron Murphy, the second-round pick from last year. And a couple guys, Thompson guys, Deontay Thompson out of Alabama and Jalen Thompson from Washington State playing the safety position those are some guys that need to step up too in their second season. So it's just going to take the Cardinals as an organization make the big leap for Kyler Murray to make a big leap like Lamar Jackson did. Hey, Bo, real quick, when it comes to Kyler Murray, what did you learn about him and his mental makeup? Because I think that was a big question coming into the draft, and it was really hard to tell what kind of a, a human being he was, what kind of a person, and some aloof sometimes. And sure. In interviews, it always seemed like he was looking past the camera at his dad before he would answer a question. You know, like what, what kind of a human being, what kind of a person, what kind of leader did the Cardinals get in yeah. Kyler Murray? The Dan Patrick interview still stands out, and it was just – I think that was more out of character than you see most of the time with Kyler Murray. That was a little bit of anomaly. I, I think he really didn't know – how to answer that. He obviously had the baseball thing still going. He hadn't fully committed to the NFL. Uh, that that still is odd. But as far as Kyler Murray, after he was drafted, we were able to talk to him um, his, you know, after his press conference. And he, I just he just strikes me as a guy that he's just a jock. He's just a guy that likes to go out and play. And the other things, all the other minutiae, he's just not concerned about it. He just doesn't. He, he's not somebody that wants to sit there and answer, you know, questions that aren't about you know, the task at hand and that's taken on the Niners that's taken on the Seahawks that's taken on the Rams or whoever the Cardinals are playing that week. He just, he just doesn't really, I, I, I guess, uh, you know, uh, he, he doesn't play that game. I guess uh, Josh Rosen was probably better for a, a soundbite during his rookie season, but uh, it was a lot uh, more entertaining to watch a guy go out there and perform on the playing field. And it's, you know, speak softly and carry a big stick. I think that's more Kyler Murray's game than anything else and I think uh he's just gonna let his play kind of do the talking for him kind of a baseball mentality there a sure bit more like you know spit in the cup and uh and, <laughs> yeah and, and go play ball adjust your jock strap spit in the cup and yeah. and let's do this what's the next pitch and uh absolutely I I, I see that that that's a great point had a thought hadn't thought about that but yeah no doubt about it and there's the discussion already you know Kyler Murray's thinking about in the future he might return to the diamond and try to be a two-sport star that's something I'd like to see him maybe table, and I think he's he will. 
he's still focused on really taking the Cardinals from the bottom of the NFC West. So with that said, you know what it is, Rams Nation. Until next time. Celebrity softball. Let's let's get the old rock and jock back. Let's get Kyler Murray out there. I think everybody would love that. (laughs) It's the ultimate crossover series. We'll open it up. Any more questions about the Cardinals before we uh, give way to the last episode of the week tomorrow? How many years away are the Cardinals? You know what, and and that's coming from a Niners, uh, somebody who's covered the Niners, where they made that dramatic jump this season. I think realistically, though, if they have a solid offseason, if they have a good draft, which are big ifs with Steve Kime, who hasn't shown that he has the ability to consistently hit round in and round out on draft picks, that uh, it's going to be tough. They're going to have to get lucky. They're going to have to strike gold somewhere in order to really turn this thing around. But the type of playmaker that Kyler Murray is – I mean, people were making the predictions for this team before the season that they were going to be a three-win team. And I thought that was kind of crazy because if Kyler Murray was the any kind of the quarterback that you thought he was going to be, that was going to translate into wins itself. They ended up winning five. They had a tie in there. Uh, and they had some close losses. They were more competitive. Uh, you can see that he's going to be a good quarterback. So uh, I, I really think that they can approach maybe 500 this season. And then with a good offseason, who knows? I mean, the sky's the limit with that number one at quarterback. It's the ultimate crossover series, the Locked On Podcast Network, Bo Brock, Brian Peacock, Brad Bearmotter, and Corbin Smith. We're going to wrap things up tomorrow with our Valentine's edition, Who Do You Love? And also we're going to preview the 2020 schedule. The opponents are already out there. We'll start to make some predictions. Can't wait to do it. Thanks for joining us today, and we'll talk to you tomorrow to wrap things up. It's Locked On Cardinals, Locked On Niners, Seahawks, and Rams, part of your Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, Locked On listeners, you already love our network of NFL shows, so why go anywhere else for the fantasy football information you need to know for the 2020 season? You just need to check out Locked On Fantasy Football, hosted by me, Vinny Iyer. We're counting down to the season by breaking down players and teams every day. It's no-nonsense, straight-to-the-point, smart fantasy football analysis that has only two goals in mind, helping you dominate your drafts and win your league championship. That's Locked On Fantasy Football, only on the Locked On Network.